Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Here for the Right Reasons, Us Weekly's Bachelor podcast. I am your host, Sarah Heron. We are talking hometowns this week. We got down to our final three. It's about to get even messier, if that's possible, on this television program. Um, And I am joined today by Dr. Darcy Sterling, a relationship therapist and licensed clinical social worker, who you may remember from E's Famously Single. I watched that show pretty pretty regularly and there was some bachelor people on that program am i right i feel like there's bachelor people on every unscripted show there is you know it's true the franchise it never ends well it doesn't thank you so much for joining me and if you want to just tell the us weekly readers and listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe how you feel about the bachelor overall as a as an expert in relationship sure i mean i don't have any strong feelings about the bachelor one way or another i definitely i'll tell you i haven't watched for a few seasons and watching last night totally hooked me right back in i was like i get it i totally get people's obsession with this show because of course i'm going to watch next week right both like what is it like 4 hours worth of television i think yeah, so i mean i'm going to have to clear my schedule and watch to see how this turns out cuz like now now I care. Um, so I am, yeah, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I'm a relationship therapist in New York city. Um, which is funny to say post COVID because really, um, we all work virtually now and, you know, our clientele has for many years spanned the entire country and oftentimes outside of the country. And now it seems like our other therapists are on board with the uh, with the technology, which is great because we want, you know, therapists most most at our core. What we want is we want to be able to reach people wherever you are. So um, that's the upside to the pandemic. Downside right. is a mental health crisis globally. But that's another probably another podcast. Definitely. But definitely true. <laughs> Overall, though, in like relationship therapy, would you say it's if, if there is a correlation of up or down in the last couple of years because of everything that's gone on? So it's interesting. The uh, pandemic has it, it put people in these binary positions. Either you were in a situation where you couldn't get away from each other. Right. Hello. That was me. <laughs> we we rented a house in New Jersey because I was like, this is not going to be good. This is we're two therapists. So my wife is also a therapist. Oh, my God. Working from home. And I was like, this is not going to be good. A, a, she's a couples therapist. I'm a relationship therapist. I work with individuals. She works with couples, but we okay. do the same thing. She does it with two people in a room. I do it with one person in a room. And I was like, I mean, 
kidding aside, this is going to be really bad for our brand. Like if, if we divorce, like this is not going to be good. One of us is going down during this. So we rented a house in New Jersey, um, which gave us a little bit of space um, to breathe. And it was exactly what we needed. It literally gave us the ability to like leave the apartment. Right. Because it was a house, get some fresh air, all the things that are important to keeping people grounded. So that's one scenario. The other scenario was people turned into long distance relationships Mm. and couldn't see each other for the longest period of time, or you were single and you were isolated. I'm going to tell you, and this is purely anecdotal based on my clients, the single ones were happier. Really? They had an easier time. Definitely. Okay. That kind of makes sense because it was like lower stakes almost. It was just like, I I don't have any expectations because I can't go out and do anything. I got to sit here, watch these movies, drink this wine, try to make the most of it. And then friends who were in relationships, it was like, we were going to kill each other. A hundred percent. We had no expectation. As a single person, it's like no one expected me to accomplish anything. And, and, here's, and here's the thing, like people who are, we all know how to be single. We don't mm-hmm. like it. If we if we want if we're people who are inclined to be in relationships, we may not like it. Right. But we know what to do with loneliness is predictable. It's just me. I don't have to deal with like the with like an unknown entity that could be like pushing in on me and creating all kinds of havoc. So hands down, my now I'm not trying to say that or minimize what it was like for singles. It was a beast for everybody this pandemic but my singles had an easier time navigating it than my clients who were in couples, particularly those who lived in big cities were like renting zip cars for their sessions so that they could have therapy sessions in private because so many people live in studios or one bedrooms and like everybody was home. There was no space from each other. It was crazy. Right. Yeah. Wow. Which explains why I couldn't rent a zip car to go visit my mother. No, I mean, they, everyone was using them to call you. (laughs) They were all using, using it for their therapy hours. That is really, <laughs> really funny. And just shows anyone who doesn't live in a big city. Now, you know, it's, it's a different world. Um, but, and then, so a relationship therapist, like you were saying, so you speak to an individual about relationships in their life versus the couples therapist would meet with a couple. Exactly. I teach in relationship skills to individuals. My wife does it with couples. I'm far too controlling to do it with more than one person at a time in a room. I got one person that I can handle two people at a time. Like, I don't know how she does what she does. She's definitely not a Virgo. Like I am. She, (laughs) she just rolls with it. And, and, and it amazes me, you know, we always shared a practice. So we shared a wall. It's so funny before the pandemic, people would be like, you guys spend so much time together. We did not spend so much time together because we spent so much time with our clients. Mm. We shared a wall and a waiting room, but like I couldn't hear what was going on with her at all until we learned the whole work at home thing and finessed it. There was lots of opportunities for each of us to stumble into the other's sessions, which were so not okay. but people were so understanding and really appreciated it. But I really got to hear how she does what she does. She's amazing. Like she, I don't know how she does. People would come into the session at the top and they'd be ready to kill each other. And by the end, they'd be hugging and wiping their tears. And they'd be like, they'd have what they need to go on another week. And I just... I don't know how she does it. That's why we need therapists. Thank Hell you all yes. for your service. <laughs> um, let's talk about The Bachelor. So last night you said you dove back in for the first time in a minute. You met Clayton then and you met his final four. Did you have any initial impressions about Clayton or any of these women before we go through their dates 
in, in chronological order, just because that's how it aired. Truthfully, he did strike me as earnest. Like I, I totally bought in. I, I bought in hook, line and sinker. Like the way he showed up, he was he seemed so sincere and seemed so sincere. He seemed so earnest. I mean, by the end of the show, he looked tortured. The yeah. guy looked tortured by the end of the show, by the yeah. end of the episode. Um, so he struck me as sincere. I I didn't want to form opinions about the women. And of course I did. Right. Um, you know, I definitely had and have my favorites. Okay. Um, it's, it's nature but, of reality TV. It's really, but it's really hard to like weigh in on a single episode. You right. know what I'm saying? So I want to reserve judgment. I, um, was very surprised by his decision last night. Okay. The rose ceremony threw me. I was not expecting the decision to go the way it went. Yeah, I did not expect it. That wouldn't have been my choice, just so you know. All right, well, let's get into it then. One, I like that you called Clayton earnest and sincere because he's getting a lot of flack from from fans because he struggles to maybe make a decision or he seems to be in over his head. But I think that's because he who is. wouldn't be? Right. I, and who, I think who you would to, not be? Can you imagine? No. Can you even imagine? Talk about a social experiment. I mean, that's why the show's brilliant and it's gone on for 400 seasons. Yeah. And I think he specifically is he wasn't on his last because they always pull someone from the season before. Right. And he was on Michelle's season of The Bachelorette and he didn't even make it that far. But the producers saw something in him, whether it was a combination of this guy does want to find love or we can maybe, you know, this guy's going to fall for some stuff. We got work. And because he is seemingly believes in the show and that can be dangerous because if you're not thinking one step ahead, he's setting himself up for maybe, you know, what looks like a tumultuous ending because he's not thinking a couple steps ahead. At least that's how I feel watching it. But I, and think I also a nice think and, and in defense of all the participants, I will say, having uh, been on the other side of the curtain and mm-hmm. seen behind the curtain, I will tell you, you can't possibly you can't fully prepare for an experience like that. You right. can't. I spent years preparing for my first show every session, every day, imagining a crew in the session okay. peripherally so that I could desensitize myself to it. I knew that's where I was headed. And because I wanted to teach relationship skills, not because I'm an arrogant asshole, but because I wanted to teach relationship skills to the masses. I wanted they're, right. they're teachable. You don't have to be in therapy to learn relationship skills. Anyone can learn the stuff. So um, and and these people haven't spent years expecting to be on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Right. So it's it's incomprehensible. The machinery, the moving pieces, all the different cogs that are involved in this stuff. It is so overwhelming. I I have often said there should be um, not an exit. There should be a um, a reintegration program from the time a show ends to help everyone involved reintegrate with society because these are the the same hundred people because it's like a hundred person crew. Right. But, and also the, the contestants, these are the same. It's like being at sleepaway camp. You are with each other 24 seven. You're isolated from everyone else. The bonding that takes place mm-hmm. speeds up every relationship, which is why it's so interesting to hear the parents and some of the siblings and the friends say like, this is moving so fast. They have no idea. 
idea. They have no idea when you're isolated in a situation like that. The bonding happens so rapidly. It's 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 literal and it's not performative. But so it's real. It's just because they're the circumstances, but it's still real. Like you believe that the connections that Clayton might be making with these women or any bachelor, it's it's not in their heads. It's real. It's just hard to explain to the outside. That makes sense. I would say it's impossible to explain to the outside. I mean, think back to like seventh, eighth grade. Remember mm-hmm. when you'd have sleepovers and how or or just like a summer. Think about a summer when you were in middle school or high school or even grammar school. And like, you know, you would come into the next grade, a different person with a whole different friendship group. Right. And you would be bonded like this. And it was only eight weeks. Yeah. How did that happen? How did that happen? Because there weren't distractions and you were just with that person or those people. And and that's that's literally what people who are on reality television experience. It's also funny you say that about the reintegration program too, because on a side note, I watch Celebrity Big Brother. I watch everything. And Carson Kressley was on Celebrity Big Brother and he was saying that he left the house. He thought he was fine. Did they bring you to a therapist, I guess, just as the first step? And he was like, oh, I don't need this. It was whatever a game. And then within a couple of minutes, he realized, he's like, oh, I'm actually not okay. And right. I do need to hundred percent. And it's like, I guess- 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, most of the shows have therapists on site to debrief with people. Right. Um, it's intense. It's intense. And, but the reintegration, I don't, it's, it's almost like, so now people can kind of wrap their heads around it because we went through COVID. True. The first time you left the house, (laughs) the first time you went to a restaurant or a party, the first time you went to a concert, that's what it feels like when you come out of a reality filming, because it's like, it's like the nerves in your arms or on the outside of your skin. It's like your senses are so heightened because you've not been around that for so long. Yeah. So there actually is an analogous way of explaining it. That's so interesting. Okay. What do you What do you think about Clayton? Like you really watch reality television Uh so much. What do you think about him? I definitely think he's a very nice guy who's just in over his head. And I know that all Bachelor and Bachelorette leads, I think, get to a point where they realize, oh, I don't totally know what I signed up for. I'm going to have to. But at the moment, at the end of this episode, when Clayton says... I'm going to have to break three hearts to make one. It was like he was just realizing that. And he should have been thinking about that the whole time because that's the premise of this show. Like I feel like he's figuring this stuff out in real time. And I'm not faulting him for it. I know he's human and I believe he's, he's finding these connections genuinely. But I just don't think he was prepared at all. And I know you can't 100% be prepared, but it's almost like he's learning the show in real time. And it's too late because he's got four women already head over heels. And now he's like, what did I do? And but, if, based on the promo, he's about to make sleep with more than one of them and get them more invested. And it's about I to know. be bad. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Rookie mistake. Rookie mistake. And it's and he shouldn't be a rookie with that. So there right. he doesn't get a pass from me. But there was something that you just said. Oh, in real time, he's like experiencing the show in real time. I can imagine and I have no idea what he's thinking or, or right. was thinking and feeling But I can imagine having to tell myself one day at a time, just be in this day, in this moment, don't think too far down the road or you're going to or you're not going to be able to even connect with these people. Right. So I think that if you're that mindful, you might throw up walls unconsciously or just overwhelm yourself. Like, 
I don't know how you can be thinking that far down the road. Yeah. You know, but I hear you. I totally hear you. He told me I interviewed him before the show started airing and he said he went into it thinking like, okay, you can't fall in love with more than one person. Like he didn't think that was even possible and that he wasn't going to say it to anyone. And he kind of had these rules for himself. And he teased at the time that he got to a point in the process where he just had to throw that out the window. And I assume this is the episode or the moment in the process that he was referring to because we see him at the end, jump ahead to tell, tell Jesse Palmer and Jesse Palmer, the host's face is like, oh boy, like, and it's a good TV and it's technically could end up well because maybe it'll work and he'll go through the motions, but it's also just mess, mess, mess for what they're going to have to watch this all back and navigate, which is why the show works, but also why poor Clayton is going to be in a, in a tough position for the next couple of weeks as this all airs. Tricky. What did you think about his decision by the end? Well, let's go back. Let's go back to the. Let's I know. I'm so going. No, I'm so going. Okay. I'm so, I'm typically so chronological, but I'm just like curious. Were, yeah. were you surprised by his choice? Um, a little bit, a little bit. I have thought it was Rachel this whole time. Um, so I knew Rachel once he got down to the two of them. I wasn't surprised because Rachel, I think, has had the strongest connection leading up to it. This episode, this one, a little bit of a rocky moment with the dad and stuff, but um, she, he has been like all over her the whole time. And I thought Susie similar. So I thought it was between Gabby and Serene, to be honest. But then Serene, I don't know. I was surprised just because of his reactions to her. I love you was like, I can't stop smiling. So that's why she was blindsided. I was a little surprised, but I knew I had a feeling that the, that Susie and Rachel were, were good. So just based on previous episodes, not even necessarily this one. Well, that's why it was hard for me to weigh in because I was like, you're seeing a clip, Darcy. You can't really weigh in like on one episode I was surprised that he was so into Rachel. Really? Yeah. So like, clearly I'm going to have to go back. Not only am I going to have to watch next week, I basically like signed up to lose 20 hours of my life. (laughs) Literally for this conversation. Thank you, Sarah. Anytime. It's what I'm here for. The show should pay me. Um, 100%. 100%. (laughs) Let's start with Susie though. Let's go back a little bit. We don't have to get too into, you know, the silly stuff, but Susie was the first date that they filmed and the first date they showed because according to like the bachelor blogs, they don't always air them in order, um, you know, editing stuff. But Susie was apparently the first one filmed, first one aired They're in Virginia. Um, what did you, what were your first impressions of Susie? She has a fan favorite for sure. People find her very endearing. Um, I liked that we got to see another side of her. We've seen her be kind of like goofy. Um, and then the jujitsu stuff was just like, Oh, like this is a tough girl. Her dad, she's clearly been through a lot. Like I felt like she's just seems to be a lovely, lovely chick. As Clayton said, is she too good for the show? Which I don't like when they say that because then it's like putting down the other girls, but <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I was a little taken aback by that. I remember yeah. that comment and I was like, wow, interesting. Yeah. Um, I liked her a lot. I really liked her a lot. Um, what I liked about her, which was so unexpected. I liked how much her parents, how highly her parents thought of her. I was yeah. like, oh my God, like my parents aren't here anymore. They passed uh-huh. away. Oh. I'm pretty sure that if anyone interviewed my parents, that would not have been the feedback that like they admired the character of this person and they respected 
the judgment of their daughter. And I was like, it gave me a chill. I'm not going to lie. I totally agree. It's so funny you say that. I was watching with, with my roommate, my best friend last night. And we were, it was when one of the friends was talking, not necessarily the parent, but same thing. We were like, these people are really talking them up. My family would be like, are you sure? Like you're talking about the same girl. Like Mm -hmm. she doesn't, she leaves the lights on when she leaves the room. 100%. My my mother would have sat him down and been like, here's what you're signing up for. Just so you know. Yeah. I mean, and she would have thought that that was being protective of me. Yeah. Um, But I was, I was so, I found that so endearing. Um, I liked her. She, yeah. I liked her so much. She's like, very related around she's, the TV, the camera. It seems easy. Like it's, she's just easy to watch. Um, and I think like a classic bachelor contestant vibe, like she's kind of checks all the boxes. Um, and it was nice to see her with her family. Cause it, it makes them more well-rounded like humans. Um, and her dad was just seemed so sweet. Um, it was interesting when the mom asked if he was in love and he didn't say yes. And I feel like that was because this was the first date. And now Clayton is, like I said, navigating how this show works less about Susie and maybe more about, can I say it yet? But 100%, that is exactly how it landed on me. I thought he was just either he had some rules for himself or he knew like, I have to do this three more times. Yeah. I have to pace myself. I can't even imagine I can't even imagine. But I also think it's important for us to see. So what do you think? I'm, I'm like interviewing you. No, so go for what it. do you th- what do you think about the idea of falling in love with more than one person at a time? Oh god. I mean, it's so crazy because I talk to the bachelor people all the time and they tell me it can happen. It's real. Like they 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 promise me in the moment you're feeling these feelings and I I I believe them, but I it has to be situational like this. I mean, the isolation, but it's I don't know. I also think that maybe they they don't know what they think really and they just think the word love gets thrown around on this show so easily that it doesn't miscarry the same weight as it carries in real life i don't know so i i think to myself about all the other relationship models that there are polyamory mm-hmm. you know there's True. polygamous relationships all different kinds of relationships where people literally are in love with more than one person at a time. And I do think it's important for us to understand that love is not finite. It's not, it's, it's abundant. I do think we can love more than one person at, at a time. Yeah. I'm such, I'm such a loser romantic, but I really do. I really think we can love more than one person at a time. Think of a mother's love for her kids. Right. Like but one, on this kid, show, the goal is to pick the one to get married and be in a very like standard relationship. In, so in that sense, how do you like navigate? Like if you're the other contestants, how do you feel about them falling in love with someone else? Like, are you okay I think with it's it? important for us to see that. I think yeah. it's important important because I just, listen, one of the biggest relationship issues that people contend with is jealousy. And I think it's so important to see this whole process unfold. And these women care about each other, right? They care about each other. I love, I just, yeah, I just got chills over that also. Like, I love that they don't dislike each other. At least this group of four. We've gotten out by the final four. You're usually down to like, They've been through a lot together. Now they're, they know like it's real life stakes and they do. These four seem pretty solid. We got, there was plenty that didn't like each other the last couple of weeks, but you missed that. <laughs> I was literally just thinking to myself, talking to you about the bachelors must be like talking to like an NFL coach about what football is like on the foot, uh, on the Super Bowl. You 
you can explain yeah. the whole thing. You can zoom out. You can zoom in. You can give me all the plays. You're like, no, 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 no. By the time we're down to the final four, yeah. none of that stuff happens anymore. You, one time one sneaks in, but this this four are solid. But I love it. I love that they have relationships with each other. I because human beings are messy. Yeah. We're messy. We're complicated. We're nuanced. And and I think it I think it's a good emotional stretch. I think it's a good emotional stretch. Like I admire these people so much for signing up for this. Can you, I mean, no, I, I would just, never, <laughs> I can't even fathom. I just no. cannot even fathom. But when I try to fathom, I think to myself, how resilient they must be. Their emotional intelligence, their grounding, their internal grounding. I'm talking just the final four, because as you know, I haven't watched more than this last episode. And I'm just so impressed by like, because I can imagine the subtext mm -hmm. of what they're feeling and what they're thinking and what they're what they're struggling with and and fighting and internally, you know, they, he's making out with a different woman, four women in one episode. Yeah. And hanging out with their dad. <laughs> and then in the next episode, we already know he's sleeping with more than one. Yeah. So I, I just think that um, I think it's good for people to see that we can live through this. Okay. That we can live through this, that this doesn't have to be a deal breaker. Again, I'm not like waving a flag for polyamory. Um, but what I am, but I also think that I think that we have this notion, at least in Western society, that like my man's my man or my woman's my wo my person's my person. Mm -hmm. And if I have any self-worth, I don't let anyone else go near that person. And I don't think that I think that's big ego. And I don't think it has to be that way. I think that that's very black and white. And I think it sets us up for a lot of suffering. That's unnecessary. Oh, that's really interesting. And it also to wrap up, Susie, there's a line at the end, which he said this. He says to Susie, don't forget about me. And he said that to Rachel a couple of weeks ago when they had their one-on-one -on -one date. And I was like, that line kind of freaks me out. And it kind of reminds me of being in like middle school and you're like goofy with the boy. I don't know. I just felt like it was an immature kind of weird thing to say, especially now knowing he said it to more than one of them. Like, I don't know. Is that a weird thing for me to read into? No, 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 no. I, I think you touch on two things there with that one comment. The way we show up with one person is the way we show up with most people. Okay. So oftentimes when I work with individuals, they'll tell me, you know, if they were betrayed, they'll tell me about a story and they read texts and the partner spoke to the other person, the other oh. woman, usually the same exact way that they were talking to them. And I'm like, listen, as as incomprehensible and as gut wrenching as that is, I want you to know that that's not a it's not that he didn't mean that with you. It's not that she didn't okay. mean that with you. It's just that that's how the person shows up, period, when they have feelings. OK, now the immature thing. I don't know. Maybe, you know how I don't know, Sarah, like you're the lead. He's just, not going to forget about you. Like, what do you mean? Like, I feel well, you like know what? I think that might. And I'm such a concrete thinker, but you just might have surpassed me. I'm imagining, you know, how like I don't know if you do this, but like when I'm alone with my animals, I have like special like family language that I use yeah. with them that I don't necessarily scream from from the rooftop of my apartment building and let everybody know that I, you know, I. I use funny phrases with them that that aren't meant in the in the specific way the words would make sense if you were to okay. read them. And I just I guess that 
maybe I just, maybe I'm just uh, imbuing like a positive spin on that shit. Maybe it doesn't deserve <laughs> it. Maybe there is something wrong with him. I don't know. I, just, I, I mean, again, I think he's, it's just a lot going on. I just thought that that was a weird thing to say when he said it the first time a few weeks ago, because like you're the lead. How is he going to forget? Like the girls aren't going to forget their connections with you. That's all they're thinking about. So it's kind yeah. of a weird thing to say, especially when you still do have some left. Like maybe that was his way of telling whoever his front runner is at the time. Like he thinks he should say it because he's feeling it with them. But he did say it to Rachel a few weeks ago. Now he's saying it to Susie. I don't know. I just thought it was a weird one, Clayton, setting yourself up there for maybe. But maybe or, it just comes or, out like or, you said. It's something he I said. mean, or we can spin it pathologically and say, does he have some abandonment issues? Probably. Maybe that too. I mean, who among us? I mean, I, I certainly do. You know, <laughs> don't forget about me. I mean, maybe, right. maybe that's what that was about. Insecurity as being The Bachelor, which it's like, I, you know, you, you would think it's an oxymoron, right? Yeah. But obviously, you know, he's, he's human. Just, he's not, mm -hmm. doesn't become, you know, perfect because he's the bachelor. Um, but it's interesting because going then to Gabby, who was the one that she actually filmed last apparently, but aired next, just mm -hmm. a side note for listeners who care about that and the editing of the show. I care um, about everything. Yes. <laughs> um, Gabby, which you don't really see in this episode, but to give you a little backstory, we don't meet her mom. And in previous episodes, her kind of story that she's been talking about is growing up. She felt like she like had to earn her mom's love and that it wasn't, um, unconditional, unconditional. And it was very conditional. And I don't think they have a very good relationship now, which would then kind of go on to what we were just saying about maybe some abandonment issues and stuff. And she doesn't talk about it on this one, but it's why her mom isn't there from what I understand. I think her mom is still alive. They're just not on great terms. So that gives you a little background on Gabby. Um, I appreciate that. I definitely, I definitely texted some people. I was like, what's up? Where's Gabby's mom? Yeah. Like <laughs> I, that was, was my, that was my question. I was like, where's her mom? Yeah. Um, so, and again, I know nothing. No. I saw one episode, one episode, okay. but the initial, my initial, by the end, I think I had changed my feelings, Okay. but initially Gabby felt a little performative to me. I agree with you. The you audience do? loves her. Bachelor Nation, as they call them, are big Gabby fans. Social media thinks she's hilarious. I kind of feel like, yeah, a little bit like turning it on goofy for the camera. I don't know her, obviously, but I will say this episode, I liked her the best because of her grandpa and all the stuff at the end with her dad. Like that felt very, that felt real um, to me. But like the line about being a blender, I don't know. Everything to me, she just was a little, she's a little much for me, but people love her. They really want her to be the bachelorette if Clayton doesn't pick her, but I don't necessarily see it, but now I'll get, I'll get some mean tweets, but that's what people think of Gabby. I didn't necessarily see it either, but like, again, people amazed. They, what I've learned in all my years of being a therapist is that people are not necessarily predictable. Mm. And so maybe there's something there that, that we're not seeing. Right. Who knows? Um, I thought her dad with the signs. Cheesy. <laughs> Cute, but cheesy. I can only imagine how hard it must have been right. for her not to like hurl herself in her dad's arms. Totally. Like I, I felt that moment for her. Yeah. And um, but, you know, it's a television show. They yes. they're trying they're trying to give us different visuals to represent, you know, the current time that we're in and the current time that we're in is a in, it's an incomprehensible moment. Yeah, like true. we're living through a biblical plague. Uh, thank God. Yeah. Living, yeah. living, living through. through. Right. Yeah. Did you um, like her grandfather? Cause everybody loved him. I did. I did. Yeah. I liked her grandfather. I liked, I, so I will say that I, I liked their teasing quality because when I okay. love somebody, I bust their balls or right. ovaries, you know, 
endlessly. Like that is how I express love. So when I was telling you that thing about like, I don't know if you do this when you're alone in your room or with your family or your besties right. or your pets, like I will sometimes kiss my dog boot and I'll be like, I don't love you. I don't even like you. I mean, and if you were to read that, you'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with this woman? Which I mean, is a fair question to ask yourself at any hour of my life. But in that particular instance, it's not pointing towards anything literal. Right. I loved how they teased. I loved how he teased her. Yeah. I loved the the you know, I loved it. it the, the love for me came across. I agree. Her family felt very real. Um, and I think sometimes these it's hard and you don't want to judge the families because they didn't you know sign up necessarily beyond this reality show. It's a weird thing. I always think like, oh, my God, every year I text my parents, like, what would you do if I did this? And they're just like, we would be out of town. Um, like, it's like they, no one like I, I get it. So I don't want to judge the parents too hard. Well, but right now would be a good time because they yeah. could say, sorry, it's COVID. COVID right. <laughs> Only we just can't. On. Yeah. Yeah. And this one felt very real. And her grandpa, the camera, it was just it, it worked. And then so because I totally agree, like, like Gabby, it's like with the bear and all stuff like I don't it didn't do it for me but then talking it out maybe like maybe she is this was what her family is like and maybe I she is just like goofy and fun and good for the camera and I was maybe acting I, I don't know like pretending like it was not necessarily genuine but I I don't know she's she's a weird one to me I don't totally get her but people love her and right right yeah, yeah I don't I I didn't fully get her um I loved her when she cried off all her makeup yes <laughs> I love that moment. It, it is relatable. And it's, um, you know, I'm sure that she was, I'm imagining she was cringing at the prospect of being on camera without any right. makeup on. And it always goes back to what people say is like, we all just want to see the humanity in each other so that we know that we're not alone. True. You know? And yeah. Yeah. What about at the end um, of their date? Gabby says, I'm falling in love with you. And he says, I've been waiting for that. And I don't know now that I know that her date was apparently filmed last. That makes me think like, oh, he's checking it off. Like he, whether he totally meant that or not, it kind of reads to me like I, the other girls all said it, you're last, you need to say it, but, or is it like, oh, I've been waiting that. Cause I feel it for you too. Cause I didn't really feel it between them as much as some of the others, but then has that line. So it makes me think like, is he saying it? For in that sense, like, oh, like I've literally been waiting for that. Like we got to hit our cues. Like you're, it's your turn to say it. Or was he literally waiting for her because he really likes her? I don't know. He looked so sincerely happy. Okay. When she said that grin was pretty intense. That, that look on his face was, it looked so real and he didn't have it with Rachel. I know okay. I'm going out of order again. Yeah, no, that's I'm fine. So not being my normal self. That's fine. It's fine. I'm reeling it back. But you I don't feel it with Rachel, though. That's so interesting. I don't feel it with her. It's okay. so weird. But you know, again, what the hell do I know? No, I don't I know. Have a I mean, what do I know either? I know. It's um, so interesting. Yeah, I. Ugh. But you and feel it with Gabby. Yeah, I mean, he he looked like he was really happy. He felt something for her that I didn't. Okay. That's what right. I think. All right. You know? I like that. And I like that's that all that matters, right? Like right. I don't have to marry her. No. Um, I already and then got Serene, a you already <laughs> exactly. There's a there's a lot going on over there already. Serene was next. Um, she also filmed this order, apparently. She you liked her, correct? Loved her. <laughs> yeah. Can I just tell you? First of all, I didn't like the challenges that they were oh. going through, except hers. Okay. Except that one. 
the, the, you know, the, what was it? It wasn't like, yeah, it was an obstacle, but like harder than that. Literally (laughs) my hands are starting to sweat just thinking about it. I'm so afraid of heights. Me too. I could never. (laughs) I loved that. They put him in that. She put him in a situation where he was going to be faced with fear and terror. And she was going to get an opportunity to see how he handles that because that moment people respond to terror so many different ways And let me tell you, relationships can be terrifying. They are like life is terrifying. You have to face things together. And if only I could expose every one of my single clients to their prospective partners, every one of the big emotions, terror, sickness, poverty, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like expose them to it so that what a litmus test, right? He could have responded to that so differently. And then when she just walked across that thing and then smiled, I love the way they interacted. He's like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah. He's like, do you really mean that? And she was like, totally. It's like not phasing me. Yeah. She was not phased. It's so interesting you say that too, because so much of the show is, I don't know if you can criticize the right word, but people just get over, get annoyed because the the challenges of the dates usually are so silly. Like they make them wrestle. They make them do so much like play football, like just things that just don't matter. And can you imagine if we just sat around watching them at dinner? No, I know. But like, if you do something like this, then it's actually an example of what you're saying. Like she's, they're getting something out of this. There has to be a happy medium of silly and like, look, like, like if you even saying that made me realize, oh, you're right. Like this did have something different than a picnic or a let's pretend to be bears in the woods. My next show, what I'm going to do is I'm going to expose people to all those terrible emotions and see how they react so that they can know who they're signing up to be with. Just put them in the airport and like have a delayed flight and see who can handle the stress and who can't. And that'll be it. Or or in a simulator where there's turbulence. Oh my God. Yes. Can you imagine? Wait, can I go back really quick to last week's episode of the show? I know you didn't see it. They had a, um, a like psycho, I can't remember exactly what, what kind of therapist it was, but they had a therapist on it and the, they were, the women had to go in with just with Clayton individually and kind of like tell them their, tell the tell Clayton and the therapist, their fears. And then like Clayton wouldn't really respond. And then at the end, the therapist was like, I don't, I believe one of you was being performative, but didn't say who it was and then let them all like guessing about it. Isn't that kind of messed up? I mean, a hundred percent. Okay. I would never say that ever. I, I, Even I just, on a television show. Isn't that kind never. of like, like you, no, 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 no. I, I, I then... am more cautious when there's a camera, right. more cautious, not less more because I know I'm going to be scrutinized. Right. Um, yeah. You, you, I believe one of you is being performative. I mean, do you have a crystal ball? Like, right. who are you to say that? Which After is one why second I, of this reality TV, right? Which is why session. I that that's why I, I qualify everything with like, but what do I know? Because I absolutely, sincerely could be so off yeah. on any of this. She sounds performative, right? Like the producers told her it, it would just kind of rub me the, the wrong therapist, way. Therapist, yeah, no, the right. therapist sounds like she was being performative. Yeah, like don't perform in front of the cameras. Be a therapist if that's right. what you are. I don't know what she was. Yeah, I can't um, remember. So that, yeah. and that might not have been, that's not the, probably the most, act, that's my interpretation. I'm going to be Googling her as soon as we're done. Yes. And there was a little bit of criticism. Like people were talking, like one girl who was on the show a couple of years ago was like, why would they, you know, it's a vulnerable situation already. And so if you have to open totally. up and now you're being critiqued for how you opened up, it's like, oh, I don't like that. That's so messy. not okay. So right. not okay. No, you need to create a safe space for people. Yeah. That's okay. why people come out of 
sometimes these experiences a little with some fractures. Yeah, totally. You know, and then, I mean, going back to what this is, that, that is so interesting hearing that because going back to famously single, especially season one, when I was an unknown entity, they were so guarded up and armored up against me. And they were so afraid of being exploited. And I found the general attitude to be so incredibly paranoid and I I didn't understand it. And over time, I got to hear their stories of how other shows had exploited them. And, And I and I told them, I said, you know, I, I will I will put it in blood. You will not be edited out of context. I have been promised this. Right. I have been assured of this when I was when I was working with the cast, especially season one. What I was what I was hearing were these horror stories of how they'd been manipulated on past shows by producers and, you know, shamed and encouraged to open up and then embarrassed or humiliated as a result and or or some of their um, things that they would disclose when they would do their one on ones would be used against them in a future episode. Right. And I just found it incomprehensible. I have to tell you, I realized through that experience how lucky I was that my show, I was never once asked to say or do anything. I was allowed to be me. Yeah. I think that's rare in reality TV. I I think so too. I think so too. But it, but it made for compelling television, much of which never even aired. Um, (laughs) But anyway, um, I really loved Serene. I really loved her. I thought that she, the way she handled not being afraid, she didn't embarrass him. She didn't shame him. She was humble. She was just smiling and laughing. She was like laughing at both of them. That could have been a really embarrassing and emasculating moment for him. Yeah, and totally. she was just like, no, you're man enough to giggle at yourself. Yes. You're man it's, enough. It's true. It's true. That was very cute. And then we meet her family. People were like, oh, her brother's so hot. I want him on the show. Oh my God. He needs to be the next bachelor. <laughs> I know. He's so forget, very cute. forget hot. I mean, Thoughtful. he cried. Yeah. I thought the brother was amazing. I I thought it was also, oh, I thought it would it what do you make of this? Like the men take the bachelor aside to like have a talk. I think it's definitely just another one of the things that this show does that like perpetuates classic like stereotype, you know, family dynamics and relationships. I think it's just like in the DNA of the show and they don't they they as much as they try to break certain things or move on past, you know, other criticisms and now they have more diverse casts. It's the same thing as you know, they have really, they have more diverse casts now, but they still have no like body diversity, like whatever they take one step, it's like they, they act like they're taking these crazy big steps. So it's not like actually doing anything. Um, but with that specifically, yeah, I think it's just like the classic, like, oh, I need dad's permission kind of thing. And Clayton is from Missouri. I think maybe he also probably takes that into consideration. Like, I think he depends on the lead of how much they take that into consideration. The contestants, um, and for Serena, it was interesting because her dad wasn't there. Her parents are divorced. She talked about that a little bit. Um, so her brother kind of took that role. But he did, I think, do a great job of just being like, I just want my sister to be happy. And we talked, their family had gone through so much recently. Her cousin had passed away just a few months before that. I feel like that there was a lot going on in that household and they were keeping it together, but in a kind of sad, it's kind of sad. Can I tell you the weirdest interpretation I had of him cutting Serene loose? I wondered if it was a mercy cut. Yeah, maybe. Because I wondered if it was, she's gone through so much trauma and loss. 
I can't keep her in this any longer. If there's any chance, she's not going to be the one. No, I actually think that's a great point because also we see her earlier in the season. He gave her those light, the, the jar with the lights because her and her cousin, when they were kids used to like catch lightning bugs or something like that. And she brought them up to the mom and was like, look at what he gave me. And it part of me was like, oh, that's so sweet. And another part of me is like, oh God, like, I'm sure the producers made that up. Like I, this girl, like, this is not good. Like, I don't, I don't think we, this is not a safe space for Serene to be feeling these feelings. So maybe Clayton did see that and think like, oh God, like if I bring her another week or this and it's not her and I'm not confident it's her, this could really devastate her in a way mm-hmm. that maybe she can't get over. I think that's a good point. I, I might be just like the most hopeless optimist though, that has ever walked the planet. Like that's my interpretation of it. That's what I thought. I was like, maybe he's doing this to protect her. It's possible. It's definitely, possible. I don't know. We'll find out. Won't we? We You'll will find out. When are you going to interview him? Usually again? at the end, I usually get the middle right before it starts the premiere and then the end. And sometimes in the middle, depending if how, how it's going, but I haven't talked to him since after the premiere, but usually at the end with the winner, if, if they're still together and that's always a, always a yeah, fun one a to read that if. body language. <laughs> Yeah. A big if. No, I thought it. And, you know, and I understood her. um, If I can fast forward to the very end when he didn't select her, I, I, I felt that it was um, I, I understood her armoring up. I understood the, I understood the reserve. It's tough because the bachelor is also in a no win situation at some point here, because, you know, when she said, I'm not even falling in love with you, I'm in love with you. And his response was, I can't stop smiling right now. That's probably her thinking it as, oh, like that means he, he can't say it yet to me because of the rules of the show, but like he feels it. But what is Clayton supposed to say? No, like I take, like I take it back. Like, I don't know. I feel like they can't really win there. So it's hard to be too tough on him for the reactions, but that mm-hmm. one kind of felt like a validating one. And then a couple of days later, it's like, you're actually, out, I was so surprised. I was yeah. really surprised. I did not think it was going to be her. Um, I really, uh, I, I liked her. So I just thought that she showed such character and, um, yeah, I, I do wonder if him cutting her loose was in part because she suffered so much loss. Yeah. Rachel was our last one technically filmed second, according to, according to the list from reality, Steve, um, Rachel and him, like I said, she's gotten a lot of group date roses, which she talked about with her family. Um, which is usually a pretty big sign of what the bachelor is leaning towards. Cause they can't bring you on, you know, every one-on-one date, but if they give you that validation, it's obviously a sign of something, past bachelors, um, Peter Weber actually told me a few weeks ago, he was like, they never let me do that. Give the same group date rose to people a couple of times in a row. So he was like, good for him that he pulled that off. So maybe that's another reason I kind of was thinking Rachel top of the line in his head. And he, you know, he says right up the front, they just can't keep their hands off each other. So I don't know if this is just a strictly physical connection or what, but these two can make out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they really can. It felt like light porn. Um, I I've seen the more, gators. I've seen more of <laughs> you know, Clayton's tongue that I wanted to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, uh, I'll tell you what, there was something about her dad. One of the questions that he asked Clayton, I thought was so profound. He said, and I quoted it, if Rachel isn't the one, what are you going to do not to hurt her? I was like, that's such a good question. Yeah. And how do you and answer that though? Poor, well, Clayton didn't. So um, <laughs> he, he dodged it like, but but, you know, I mean, it's so thought provoking. What yeah. can someone do? And maybe that's something to think about for future, because obviously the bachelor is going to like live longer than you and I will. Yeah. Um. So for future future contestants, that's something to think about, like 
what would you want? What could protect you from that? Yeah, it is a really good question. I also thought her dad, you know, saying stuff like she's got dreams. Are you down to support her with them? And will you be, you know, in front of her beside whatever the line was? I thought it's always nice to see you want them to be nice and not, you know, grill them too hard. Cause again, this is like a television show and whatever, but I thought the dad was actually a pretty realistic portrayal of, I am, don't love that. My daughter decided to do this. I'm going to try to be nice to you. Um, and then came around at the end, which I didn't see coming with the signal and the padding on the shoulder thing. Um, I didn't, I didn't see him coming around to it, but I thought he was asking the right questions. And I think, I think Clayton was definitely shaking in his boots. Yeah. I mean, and I think that he was sweating going into that scenario because I mean, Rachel was terrified. She didn't know what to expect of her father. I think her father probably showed up nicer than he ever has before for somebody that she dated. Yeah. And, um, yeah, if that's Clayton or if it's cause they were on a television show or both, I don't know. I mean, and, and she was really worried that that could be a deal breaker because if he couldn't see himself as part of the family, couldn't see himself as like the future potential father-in-law ever accepting him, who would want to be a part of that really young people tend not to really care about that sort of thing. They tend to be optimistic and think that they can win the in-laws over. And I tend to be a little bit more pessimistic slash realistic. And I'm like, believe what they show you in month one, because that's pretty much where you're going to be in year 10. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good point. In-laws, they don't, people in general, I mean, I sell change, but change is very hard to accomplish even when you embrace it and are invested in it and you're the one who signed up for it. Yeah. In-laws do not want to change. And so the way they present is the way they're going to, they're likely to be indefinitely, but I don't, I can't imagine. I mean, maybe Rachel's dad was just like the scariest guy that's ever walked the planet. That's possible. Right. I mean, she looked really, really worried and she didn't strike me as somebody who sweats things easily. Um, but you know, I, I thought that he was respectful and he was like, look, I'm not giving you my blessing until my daughter tells me that this is what she wants. Yeah. It's also hard. Cause this show always sets it up like the, the bachelor, especially, um, and bachelorette too, just the other way around. Like there's five, four guys going in, trying to talk to the dad to maybe get permission. And then here you've got the one guy going to four and it's like you, you, they put it up. Like I didn't get the permission and they're like kind of sad, but it's like, do you really want permission from four of them? Like, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of a no win again. Like this is just, it makes it so hard because like we said at the beginning, you're bringing in the real world aspect of this bubble that they've all been in. And it's like, this is when it gets really real and really serious for these people. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I can imagine that this is a hard thing to navigate for, for some people who are not really great at family dynamics. Right. I can, there, there were, I can only imagine how many opportunities for missteps there were. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, well, based on the promo, it's about to get messier. We see Clayton, you know, we've seen these promos a few times now, maybe first time for you, but as people have been watching, they've been turning this on naturally. It's good footage. Clayton's broken. He's crying. He sleeps with at least two of them. He's in love with three of them. They're all hysterical. I mean, this is kind of a broad question, but what what would you tell Clayton one or any of these women if you were like counseling them, watching this back, if they wanted to like be with him? Like, how do they get over this? I don't know what he's thinking, sleeping with more than one woman. I, know. I really, really don't. I mean, 
here's what we know about human development. The part of our brain that can anticipate consequences of our behaviors and actions is not, it's called the prefrontal cortex. It's not fully developed until age 33. That's what I'm attributing his decision to. Okay. I think he's 28. So there you go. Yep. So he's got five years and, um, It was, it's the most, it's one thing to hook up lightly. It's Mm -hmm. an entirely different thing to experience more than one vagina at a time. Within a matter of days, hours, I don't know. Maybe, I think it was the same day. You think? Maybe, maybe I had that wrong. Maybe I saw that. Maybe I made that much worse than it was. Um, But I thought it was the same. Maybe it wasn't the same. I think the way they normally do the fantasy speeds is like, there's like a day in between, but I, this is also, they don't usually show us. Usually it's like this unspoken thing in The Bachelor. Oh, they go on the fantasy suites. Maybe they slept. Like they make you seem like it. But then you find out years later when they write the book. I only slept with the winner. I actually didn't sleep with any of them. Whoever it is, like they'll reveal it later. This is the first time or not the first time, but one of the first times we're seeing The Bachelor admit it out loud in front of them. Like I don't we I think there's something we're missing where we don't know why he does it. I was just going to say, why do we even know? Why does anyone even know unless the girls told each other? Maybe. And then he felt like he had to admit it. I just feel like there's God. I don't know what it is, but I I feel like he I, I, I agree with you, though, if you're the lead and you're going into this, you can maybe fall in love more than once. But you have to that's a line you have to draw if you want to make this work in real life. I think. I think so. I think it's painfully naive to think that you can do that and not have repercussions. That said, can you imagine proposing to somebody who you've not slept with? No, I. that's another really good point. And that's why this show is genius, evil genius. <laughs> It is evil genius. It really but is. I, I kind of think that you maybe have to, I don't know. I don't know. I guess you just have to go into it, hoping the one you chose to sleep with is the one you end up wanting to What are to the stats with? on these relationships, Sarah? Oh, okay. Well, The Bachelor specifically, because of course there's, you know, The Bachelor, Bachelorette, Paradise, the whole thing. But The Bachelor specifically, there is one man, this is season 26, one guy who is with Sean Lowe, who is with the person he chose the last day. They have three kids. They're married. The other two successful bachelor couples, the guy picked one, changed his mind and married the runner up and they're still married, both of them. Wow. And then the most recent bachelor, Matt James is still dating his contestant. So jury is still out on them. But so four right now from specifically the bachelor and more likely to pick your runner up and go back. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It is like sport for you. This yeah. is a sport. It it's is. your football. It is. It is. So it's, it's not a perfect science. And that does also go to show. I'm always very critical of how are they going to watch this back? How are they going to watch this back? But if the show is more successful when they pick the second one, then who am I to say that they can't watch it back and figure it out? Maybe it's like the best, you know, roller coaster therapy ever. If you can watch it together or ignore, 100%. I don't know. I don't and know. I've told people that I'm like, when you're on television, if you're on a reality show, you have the unique opportunity to see how you present yeah. to yeah. others. I mean, it's such a great opportunity for s- huge personal growth. Yeah. If you can, if you can tolerate it and cringe through it, you can learn a lot about yourself. Totally. All of us, all of hosts us. included. Yeah. I mean, I don't like listening to myself back. I usually just throw it out there and hope for the best. hundred percent. I never listen to myself <laughs> back, but, and I did look, I, I, I watched, I watched each of the episodes once but then never again. Angle. Yeah. And yeah. then never again, because, yeah. uh, you know, I had to live it. Right. What were, I mean, before I let you go, what were Josh and Chad like as the two bachelor people? Did you have good experiences with either of them? I did. I had good okay. experiences with both of them. They were both very similar. It's funny that I wonder if it's a similar type of guy that gets to be the bachelor. They were both quiet, um, a little bit introverted, you know, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they were both see he was josh won his season of the andy season of the bachelorette and then chad was kind of like a villain bad boy but they then josh when he came back kind of became a villain bad boy too so i think because their edit like you've met up before how the contestants you were talking to were very reserved those would be easy examples of producer who knows what went down i don't know either of them in real life but um interesting they were very careful both of them were very careful on famously single um i don't know if that's because it was a i mean it it seemed like it was just in both of their nature to be very very careful and not outrageous but maybe it's just if you put a bunch of reality stars in a house together you know, some are going to be more over the top than others. And they were definitely two of the most reserved people. That's so interesting. In Bachelor Nation, they certainly were not. So I think maybe that's because you caught them after after this experience. Maybe. Yeah. When when I I was left, you know, handling the trauma of it all. Yeah, you were. No, you were. You really were. (laughs) Well, I could talk to you forever. Clearly we, you know, I think this was a great little dynamic we got going here, but I'll let you go. Um, do you have any final thoughts, what people can follow you and what you're up to and what's going on in your life? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, uh, Feel free to follow me on the socials, Dr. Darcy Sterling. And my website is askdrdarcy.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoy the rest of the season of The Bachelor. If you do you have any thoughts, you can let me know. We can we can talk about it. So Listen, I think I'm going to need your phone number so yes. that I can be texting you during the final episode. I'm sure 100%. that your phone, your phone will be blowing up <laughs> undoubtedly. But uh, yeah, All I right. definitely would love that. Perfect. Sounds good. I'll definitely make sure you get that. We can we can do yeah jersey girls rocking it out on the podcast that's right thank you so much have an awesome rest of your day thank you you too sarah thank you for tuning in to another episode of here for the right reasons us weekly's bachelor podcast don't forget to like subscribe share tell your friends about this podcast and come back every week for more bachelor breakdowns